Hello, everyone. This is Travis J. Vernon, and welcome to today's podcast. Well, with everything going on in the world these days, it reminds me of a lot of stories from when I was young. I come from a time period where there wasn't a lot of online access, really until I was in college. Prior to that, if you wanted something on sale, you had to grab a newspaper and look in the ads. If you weren't sure how much something was, you'd have to drive from store to store. And my mother was a master shopper something that she taught my sisters quite well, and to some extent my brother Jared. I remember going to visit my mom and dad while my brother was still there, and he was sitting at the kitchen table cutting out coupons. He never became a full-fledged couponer, but it was pretty funny. I learned a lot of tricks when I was younger, tricks on how to not have to go shopping with my mom, or if I did have to go shopping with my mom, to make it as painful as possible for everyone involved so that they wouldn't take me the next time. One of the tricks that I had learned was to tell my mom, I really don't want to go into the store. Can I please just wait in the car? This worked exceptionally well, especially if it was a hot day because she wouldn't want to leave me in the car, but she knew that it was better to leave me there than to take me into the store and have it be a problem. And my mom is an inherent worrier. So she would go into the store, shop for a little bit, worry about me and my well-being, and come out. So I'd usually speed up the whole shopping process, which was unfortunate, really, because they didn't dare leave me at home because I'd do stuff. But it was annoying to take me with. It was just a no-win situation because I didn't want to do it. I don't like to shop. To this day, I don't like to shop. I, like many men, will just buy the clothes I think I'll like, take them home, and try them on there. I don't want to try them on in the store. The longer I have to stay there the worse it is for me. One of the other tricks or bad habits that I had as a child was being able to play sick so that I wouldn't have to go to school. School for me was tedious boredom. There were parts of school that I really enjoyed and there were a couple of teachers that I had that really made an impact on my life and those were super good people. But for the most part, I was just bored. There were other things I wanted to do other places I wanted to go. I was the child always looking out the window, thinking about where I would rather be, which continues to this day, in any place I am, unless I'm actually in the place I'd rather be. Which reminds me of a pretty funny story that involves my little sister, and it was on one of those rare occasions where I was actually sick. I was so sick that I was stuck on the couch, channel surfing, And there really wasn't a lot that I could do physically. I would get too ill. So for the most part, I was just stuck on the couch, going from the couch to the bathroom, from the couch to the kitchen. And that was pretty much my day. So there I am, laying on the couch. I don't even remember why my little sister was home, but she was. And no one else was home. It was just me and my little sister, Ash, who we affectionately call Squirt. At one point, I got up and looked out the window, and exactly a hundred yards from the edge of the deck, you know, the deck where my little brother had played the games with the parachute on, because that bottom rail was there, it was a perfect level for laying prone and shooting down into the field. There was no houses behind us, and there was another big hill before it dropped to the river. So it made a really good backstop. So I was able to shoot just straight off the deck, sighting guns off the deck. And at 100 yards, I had a target set up on a fence post. 
that was my side in for my rifles and my muzzleloaders. Well, this day just happened to be during the Utah muzzleloader hunt, and I had a Utah muzzleloader mule deer tag. And I look out the window, and standing 10 yards to the right of my muzzleloader target is a 4x4 mule deer buck. Now, I was so sick that at that moment, I honestly didn't think I could get up enough energy to go and get my muzzleloader out of the gun cabinet and load it. So I watched this buck feed for a few moments, realized this was a great opportunity, went downstairs, got my muzzleloader, got it all loaded, snuck out the French doors onto the deck, laid down, got a prone shot, bang, smack, and it jumped the fence from my grandfather's property where it was standing onto my father's property, ran across my father's property, jumped another fence onto the neighbor's property, ran up the hill, and tipped over dead. So now it's 100, 150 yards farther away than where it was standing when I shot it. It was in this moment I realized my error. While yes, I was able to get enough energy to load and fire my muzzleloader, I was now very concerned about getting that deer back to the house. During this time period, my father had this blue GMC blazer type SUV. So I got the keys for that, opened the gate to the neighbor's field, drove the SUV all the way down to get as close as I could to the deer. I started getting the fever shakes, the sweats, was super clammy, realized I was not going to be able to gut this deer where it was. So I grab a piece of scrap barbed wire just laying on the ground, stagger up to this buck, drag it down the hill to where the blazer's parked, which wasn't very far, 30 yards. I was in an utter exhaustion mode at this point. I tied the barbed wire around the antlers, tied the other end of the barbed wire to the hitch, and I drove that deer back up through the neighbor's field, across a little piece of the road, back into my father's property, drove back behind the house where I had a pulley underneath the deck, and using the GMC, I was able to hoist this deer up under the deck off the ground enough that I figured I'd be able to gut it into a wheelbarrow. So if you're following along, this is a series of terrible decisions. And now I'm at one of the worst decisions thinking I'm going to gut this deer into a wheelbarrow. I'm too exhausted at this point, so I put the GMC back into the driveway, put the keys away. After I had rested for a bit, I asked Ashley, Hey, Squirt, can you come help me gut this deer? Now, she's quite a bit younger than I am, and she volunteers to help me. So my little sister has a big heart, and we were able to talk her into tons of stuff. And we picked on her pretty severely. Hopefully she forgives us for all the things we did to her. I laugh now, but some of the stuff we did was pretty cruel. We weren't the best brothers. But sometimes we were. It was this give-and-take relationship, this yin and yang. You got the best of the best, but the worst of the worst. When I told her I was going to tell this story, she got really excited. She's like, yeah, you should do that. You should definitely do that because it just makes you look bad. So I grab a knife, put the wheelbarrow underneath the deer, and I gut the deer into the wheelbarrow. So now there's this stinking pile of blood and awful in the wheelbarrow. And again, I break into the sweats. I can't do anything 
but I'm glad that I got the deer gutted so it can start cooling off. At this point, I ask Ashley, can you take the wheelbarrow and wheel it down past the chicken coop and dump it in the field? And she hesitates in concern, but she says she'll do it. And I go in the house to get cleaned up. So I go in the house, get all the blood off my hands, clean my knife, set things out to dry. And unbeknownst to me, my poor little sister is trying to wheel this wheelbarrow down into the field over uneven terrain. And if any of you have ever had a wheelbarrow full of water, that's pretty much the consistency of deer guts in a wheelbarrow. It begins to slosh from side to side and tips over. Little Squirt rights the wheelbarrow and doesn't want to leave the gut pile where it is. So she picks it up piece by piece, placing it back into the wheelbarrow to proceed back down into the field. I can't even imagine the terror this must have caused her. Just the absolute grossness of what she was doing. So she gets another 15, 20 yards down the trail, tips it over again, puts it all back again. I remember her coming in the house just in tears and I think, oh no, what's happened? I go and check on her and she is covered in gore and blood from head to toe. And she's just sobbing. And I asked her if she was able to get it down there and she said yes. Such a good little sister. <laughs> I, I honestly can't believe she did it. I think, I think if it would have tipped over on me, I'd have just left it there. I'm happy she still talks to us. <laughs> she never told on me. She never told my mom what had happened. It took years before my mom found out about that. And even years later, my mom was furious with me that I made Ashley do that. <laughs> so that was one of the rare days that I actually was sick and didn't go to school. All right, everybody, I have my sister, Ashley, who's going to now tell her version of what happened on the day that I was sick and shot that buck that was standing out by my target. It was a sign from the hunting gods. Whenever an animal's standing by the target that I used to sight in my rifle, it's got to be a sign. So now Ashley is going to explain her version of what happened. I already did my version of the story. Oh, great. Good news. <laughs> Which story? The you helping me with the deer gut story. Okay, now I'm telling my so you're what, gonna tell your version? Yeah, you're gonna tell your version of it. Oh boy. Okay. This is what I can remember. Um I don't remember mom and dad being there. Usually a lot of things happened when they weren't. And I remember you were not feeling very good that day. You were sick. And there was some deer out in the field and you couldn't believe that there was one right there by the target. And I think you went and just shot it right off the deck, if I remember right. Yep. And you hit it in the gut. I remember that. Well, it it wasn't in the gut, but it wasn't perfect double lung. It was a little back. So it took off and you went and got in the um let's see was it the white blazer? No, it was the blue GMC. Okay. 
So went and got a gnat, chased it down the field, tied it up with some barbed wire, I think. Now, when she says tied it up, it was already dead. Well, yeah, that's granted. So, <laughs> and then you brought it back up, hung it up underneath the deck, wanted me to help you because you weren't feeling good. So you put the wheelbarrow underneath it and then gutted it and all the guts fell in the wheelbarrow. And then you were getting sicker and needed to go lay down. said, oh, Ash, I really just got to go lay down. So you need to go take this down in the field and go dump it. It'll be real easy. Just go, just go dump the guts down in the field. So I'm like, okay, my little eight-year-old self and a wheelbarrow to the brim of blood and guts. And it was a gut shot because there was <laughs> some green goo that smelled horrific. And you went in the house and so I used all the muscle that a little eight-year-old girl could muster up and tried my best to take the wheelbarrow down into the field. And I hit a rock and it sloshed over. And I have never smelled anything so bad. <laughs> and it was so cold, so cold. And I tried, gathered everything up, put it back in the wheelbarrow, it was covered in goo. Tried again, pushed it down the field about another 20 feet, and hit a rock, fell over again. All the guts everywhere, all over in the grass. It's starting to get a little bit darker now, a lot colder. And then I start thinking, as I'm putting the guts back in the wheelbarrow, well, it smells really bad, but at least my hands aren't as cold when it's in the warm innards of the deer. And put them back in the deer. <laughs> put them back in the wheelbarrow. And I tried for the third time. And pushed the wheelbarrow down about a little farther this time. And it sloshed over and I sat there and then I started to bawl. And it was so cold and it was dark and I was covered in stinky goo and blood and guts and it was awful. And I think about that point it was when my mom was wondering where I was. They had gotten home. She looked out the window and saw me down at the bottom of the field sitting in a pile of blood and guts and asked what had happened. <laughs> and I don't think you like thought I was still out there, but I was trying my best to like impress my big brother that I could do it. <laughs> And that wheelbarrow probably weighed about as much as I did, but I tried and failed. So I remember you coming back into the house covered head to toe in gore and awful. Yep. But I don't remember mom being there because I thought it took a while before she found out. No, I think she's the one that saw me out the window and then got mad at you. We'd have to ask her about that. <laughs> we will. So... I checked in with my mother to see whether or not she remembers this deer gutting story with my sister Ash. Now, while she remembers the story, she insists that she was not there and found out about it at a later time. Her reasoning behind it is this. If she would have looked out the window and saw her eight-year-old daughter covered in blood sitting in the field crying... She wouldn't have stood there and waited for her to walk into the house. She would have gone out there to figure out what had happened and then probably killed me. So because I'm alive 
it didn't happen the way Ashley remembers it. Probably due to the fact that an eight-year-old child, having a traumatic experience with her older brother, doesn't remember all the finite details. Now, I've said multiple times that my mother is a saint, and I don't understand how she was even able to tolerate raising all of us kids while dad was at sea. But she is petrified that people listening to this podcast are going to think she's a bad mom. She is an outstanding mother. The only thing bad was the middle child named Travis. Well, thanks for listening, everybody. I appreciate you all. So get out there and live your stories.